Well, you can be seated. If you've been joining us on Sunday mornings here in the building or online, you know that we're in our Psalm Song series. So, of course, we're going to start this message off with a song that you'll definitely know. So sing along. Here comes a sun, do-do-do-do, here comes a sun, and I say, it's all right. for right there. You know, um, when we're doing this sermon series called Psalm Songs, the goal is, if you're not familiar with what we're doing, is to connect a song that you used to listen to in your car on a regular basis to an actual psalm right out of the Word of God so that the next time you're driving through wherever you drive through and you hear that song come on the radio, you say, oh yeah, remember that's that song they used in church that day and, and they attached it to, uh, what was that, Psalm 38. Oh yeah, it was Psalm 38 because what I want to share with you is coming out of Psalm 38. Eight. You know when we need to see the sun? You know when we're desperate to remind ourselves the sun is coming, here comes the sun, here comes the sun? You know when it is that we need? when we're in the darkness? 
When things are dark, when things are desperate, when there is no hope, when we can't see what's going on around us, what God do, God is doing, we just need him to remind us, here comes the sun. It is coming. And I'm reminded of that tonight. Or to, yeah, tonight. I have to remember, is it morning or is it night? I'm reminded of that tonight. You know, when we were singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, uh, the Lord just suddenly reminded me that the reason that we don't see God working is because we're back here trying to see the whole world and it is depressing the living daylights out of every one of us. We are fighting on social media. We are fighting with people that we love, mostly because we're bored and we're not working anymore. And so we We've got nothing better than to do than to scroll through social media and go, no, 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 no. And it's like, man, we got to cut that out. You got to move forward and say, because a lot of people are sitting back and say, where's God? And I'm telling you right now, step up closer to what God's doing and say, there's God. In this tank tonight, there's God, there's God, there's God. Back up a couple of weeks and I was down at the creek. There's God, there's God. We baptized two people there. A couple of weeks ago, a young lady named Melody surrendered, rededicated her life to Jesus. There's God. You think God's not working just simply because you're standing so far back and looking at the whole picture all over the globe going, God, you got to do something. And God is saying, step up, I'm doing it. You're just not looking at it. Because you're looking for this, and he's moving the kingdom forward. He's moving it forward a person at a time. He's saving a soul at a time. We want him to straighten out a nation. We want him to straighten out a political power. We want him to straighten out our bigot, bigotry issues, our racial issues. We want him to straighten out our financial issues. And he's desperately trying to get you to get involved in getting people saved because he's trying to straighten out a sin issue in people's lives so that they can come home. Because I'm telling you, it's not going to be long until we're saying, here comes the sun, S-O-N. Here comes the sun. Now, I don't mind being wrong because I'm 2,000 years more right than the Apostle Paul. <laughs> yeah? Because he said the same thing to the church in Thessalonica years ago. Let me read this psalm, and I want you to look at David's heart. We're going to look at Psalm 38. If you've got an actual thing that we call a Bible, it comes with covers and pages in it. If you don't, we've got version. You can find that online. There's plenty of Wi-Fi in this place. Um, I wish I could say it was cheap anymore, but it's not, but it's free to you, um, and so that's fine. But we're going to turn, if you will, to uh, Psalm 38. It will always show up here on the screen unless the devil is having his heyday. You can always count in and know it's there, but it's always good to open up a physical Bible and get into it quietly. Psalm 38 says it's a psalm of David. Listen to me. It's a petition. He's petitioning God. He's not just celebrating God. Now, in this one, he wants to be clear. He's petitioning. He's crying out to God. Lord, he says, let me just, let me just do it from this thing instead of that thing. O oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have pierced me, pierced me and your hand has come down upon me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I'm feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. 
All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds, my strength fails me. Even the light is gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who seek my life set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they um, scheme and lie, it will say, or uh, plot deception um, if you're following along. And so I want to focus a little bit on verse 8. I'm feeble, I'm utterly crushed, I groan in anguish of my heart. That's the thing that I want to look at tonight. Because what he's looking at here tonight, as we're sharing tonight, is this is a man who is desperate. This is a man who is hurt, he is hopeless, he, is, uh, he feels like it's intentional, he feels like it's eternal, he feels like when will it end? And we know that because what he says is all day long this this anguish inside of my soul never quits it keeps coming it keeps coming it keeps coming it's the finances it's the furnace somebody hit the car we ran out of gas the tire blew I just got fired I got laid off again there's a, a virus resurgence there's a it's just when God when will it end come on and David is going down through this he's anguished inside of his soul He's talking about the pain of depression. He's talking about frustration. He's talking about the feeling of hopelessness, of being abandoned by his friends and being abandoned by God. God, you let me down. You ever been there when you felt, God, you let me down? That's why we don't accept Jesus. We try to encourage you to surrender to Jesus. It's not semantics, I promise you. God only lets us down when we think that it is actually all about us. When we stand up and say, God, now I need you to do this, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do this, and God's saying, no, 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 I, I, I saved you. Come over here and join my mission. I need, God is saying to you, I need you to do this, but we're not listening to God. Because somehow it has been inverted in American Christianity that God is here to serve us. And that's not the truth. God came to love us back into the family, but we joined the family business. And that's getting the gospel message out. There's a sense in his, his uh, teaching here, that, or his, his, his psalm, that he's drowning, if you will, not able to keep his head above water. And that comes with being in this place of desperation. God, what can I do to make it stop? What can I do to make you love me, God? Have you ever been there where you felt like you were just drowning in something? I had the opportunity as a young married man to get together with my, my wife's cousins, and we went down to um, a place in West Virginia called the New River. And they had opened up the dam, and that's the best time to go whitewater rafting. And so we were going whitewater rafting on the New River when they opened up the dam. This is so much fun. It's going to be exciting. So we went down there, got in our little boats, got our little paddles, got our little life vests, got our little helmets, and we paddled our way down the river. It was so good until we hit the Class 5 rapids. And then it was for real. And I had been in Class 5 rapids before, but it was in a canoe, not a big rubber boat. And I could depend on myself and one guy behind me, not eight people in this boat. And they were all paddling the wrong way because they were terrified. And you know how it goes. Somebody usually gets pitched out of the boat, and this time it was me. Right out of the boat. It bucked me right out of the boat. 
And I was in this class five rapid. I knew exactly what to do. Turn around, face downstream, lift your feet up, and prepare. But when I did that, what I saw was a big rock wall, and this rapid was hitting this wall, and the water was going up about 20 or 30 feet, and then coming back over and swirling around it and going. And what happened was I got terrified that I was going to hit that wall. I began to swirl around as I was approaching it, and my head was going under and going under and going under. And even as a trained lifeguard, I still freaked out and just started swimming. The problem is, if you're just going to start swimming, you really need a direction. And I did not have a direction other than opposite that wall. And that was not going to work. And all the voices in the boat that were going by were screaming bloody murder at me. And the next boat was coming every time I would come up. And I literally, listen to me, I'm not, I'm not just trying to be dramatic. I honestly thought this is the day I'm going to drown and that's how I'm leaving the planet. And I, I'm just going to tell you, most of you go to church here, you know me. I'm good with that. I'm good with leaving the planet. You know that staying on the planet is not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is to leave this planet and enter into the presence of God and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because we followed him obediently on this planet. But the goal is not to stay here. That's human goals. That's human fears. They're natural, but it's still human. And so I thought I was going to drown, and in the course of all the voices, I heard one voice, and that voice used the word bottle. And if you don't know it or not, there's something on each of those rafts called a throw bottle. It's a plastic milk jug, and they stuffed a rope into it slowly from the top. And they take that milk jug, and they throw it at you, and it floats. And the rope just goes out as it's coming. And it lands somewhere in the capacity of you, and when I saw it coming in the air, I had a target to swim for. And I know that I'm saved because I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you today. That's how I know it worked. And so Jesus wants to be that throw bottle to you when you're at the end of yourself. We need a throw bottle. Why do we need a throw bottle? We need a throw bottle because we are feeling very stretched. You feel stretched? You feel very, very stretched. I think David was feeling very, very stretched. As a matter of fact, I think David was feeling stretched to the limit. David could have been speaking like Bilbo Baggins um, in one of Tolkien's books when he said, I feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. You ever been there? Like, God, there's not enough of me to cover this bread. There's not enough of me to be the best mom that I can be. There's not enough of me to continue to be a dad. There's not enough of me, God, to continue to get this job done. There's not, God, you're asking too much of me. That's where Bilbo Baggins was when he was saying, I feel stretched like butter, scraped, and I can, I can see it. I love butter bread. Scraped over too much, and for me it's toast. Toast. King David feels like God's hand is set against him in this psalm. David is saying, God, I am stretched to the limit. What on earth are you doing? I was at a church last week because I got to worship with my son up in Hartville, Ohio. And uh, we got to go to church with them. It's a little different than our church, but it was still good, okay? But it was Father's Day. Do you remember it was Father's Day? And guess what? They gave every father a bungee cord. I was so excited to hear what this message was going to be about. 
They never said anything about bungee cords at all. They just wanted me to have a bungee cord. It's connect the message to the bungee cord. That's what I wanted to say. That's what happens when other leaders are in other people's churches and they shouldn't be. So I just shut my mouth and began to pray for you and me and began to say, if I was going to write a message about a bungee cord and I was going to tie it to Psalm 38, what would it be? You and I are that bungee cord. But that bungee cord, and I love bungee cords, so I took a bungee cord. It's in, it's in my race car. It's a or, guess what? It's an orange one. <laughs> it's an orange bungee cord that big around and that long, okay? But it's really cool. It's really cool. I love, I love bungee cords. But they can only stretch so far. And I don't know if you've been like me where you've tried to st stretch a bungee cord entirely too far to make it do something it was not meant to do. You pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled, and finally one of the ends snapped off, or, or maybe it, you just accidentally let go of it, came back, whacked you in the face, or something dumb like that. Maybe you've got a little cut on your hand, or you know, maybe you know, when you wave, you wave like this now, because it took three fingers. I, I don't know what your bungee cords do, okay? But, but I love, I have bungee cord nets, because bungee cord nets are cooler than bungee cords. That you should get you one. I don't know what you'll use it for, but you should get one anyway. It will be really cool for you to have uh, in your house. But sometimes we feel like we've been stretched to the limit. Paul said to the church in 1 Corinthians, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. That's another one of those passages in the Bible that gets so misinterpreted and misquoted that it's awful. God will never give you more than you can handle. That's how people interpret that. Can I just say that's not what it says? Did you hear me read it to you? That is not what it says. It says no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And when you are tempted, that temptation is not going to be so great that God allows you to fall. He will provide a way out of the temptation so that you can continue to move forward. You will just have a decision to make. Will you step out of the temptation? But we can apply it to this and say when life has got us stretched so far, we've got to stop believing that God has given us more than we can handle. Um, if, if you're in here today, and no, don't raise your hand, do you ever feel like God has given you more than you can handle? You ever been in a spot and you say, no, God gave me more than I can handle? If you said yes in your heart, I want to assure you that it's not true. That that's the enemy whispering in your head that God's abusing you. He's lying to you. Because God's not lying to you. And I know because you're here. Think about that for a second. If he had given you more than you could handle, you wouldn't be here. You would be home already. The fact of the matter is, he walks with us and he's there. These are the two things that I want to share with you tonight in all seriousness. Right here. David's healing... David needed healing. David needed this stretching to stop. But he made some things, he said some things in this psalm that are important that we need to look at. And so I just want to say that David's healing begins with coming to God honestly. We don't very often want to come to God honestly. We want to come to God and we want to tell him how good we've been and that he should do this for us because we've been good. 
and, and God's not doing it. Well, if you're good, I'll love you, and if you're bad, I'm not going to love you. He's not doing that. He can't love us any more than he did. That's bad theology. See, he sent his son. He doesn't have anything greater to give us than that. He can't love us any more than that, so he can't love us any less than that either. He loves you. But we've got to come to him honestly and be willing to say, this is what happened, because that's what David wrote this psalm about. If you didn't catch it, go ahead and, and read it again um, when you get home. Psalm 38, David is David's problem. God is David's solution. Can you get your hand on that? Put your name in there. David is David's problem, but God is David's solution, his answer. And that's what's going on. And we know this because John, a follower of Jesus, said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So David, in Psalm 38, freely admits that he's in the predicament he's in because he sinned. That's not always the case. But we've got to be a lot more honest when we come to God that we made decisions that were not in tune with what God was calling us to, and then we wonder why God did this to us. And it wasn't God at all. He didn't tell you to take that job. He didn't tell you to take that promotion. He didn't tell you to run off and leave church. He didn't tell you to leave Sunday school. He didn't tell you to do these things. They're decisions that we make in anger. David says, my guilt has overwhelmed me. Like a burden too heavy to bear, my wounds fester and are loathsome because, this is what he says, God, I'm talking to you honestly because of my sinful folly, not because of God. Because I did it, God. I didn't listen to you. I did what I wanted when I wanted and how I wanted, and it was sinful folly. He ha David has a legitimate guilt, and he knows it's his fault. He's, it is weighing heavily upon his heart and his conscience. He's literally suffering from it, and all of this is from a consequence of sin, a choice that he made, a folly. And so if I have to share with you something that I believe that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart when I was coming back from Maine, I like to drive. I, I just love to get in a car, get on a motorcycle, and I just like to drive. And I was just talking to God, saying, God, what do I need? What do I need to share with a congregation as we come back together as a church? Listen to me. God says it's time for us to repent. So I'm sharing with you that you're in this room not by accident, according to Psalm 139. Every day ordained for you was written down in his book before even one of them came to pass, David said. You're not here by accident. And God is saying you're in here because I need to talk to you, and what I need to say is, it's time for you to repent. We've got to stop going through life pretending like we're not sinning, that we're not living in anger, that we're not living in open sin, that we're not lying, that we're not stealing, that we're not, we've got to stop pretending that we're not doing that and looking at everybody else's sin. It is time for us to realize that our humanity left to itself is sinful. Now, we're not any worse than anybody else. We're just as big a sinner but when we come to God and we say, I need healing, it's time to say, God, what, what's really going on in my life? Let me talk about it. And David did that. It's time for us to repent. 
The second thing that I share as I begin to wind down is David knows the heart of God and the love of God and that that is a relationship. He has a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? I'm not asking if you ever got dunked in a tank. I'm not asking if you ever said the magic words. I'm not saying did you ever pray the magic prayer. All I'm saying is when you get up in the morning and you go through your day, when you make decisions, with the language that comes out of your mouth, the choices that you make, the places that you'll go, do they reflect that Jesus is the Christ in your life? Or did you just get Jesus and accept him and put him in your pocket? like that because I believe God is saying not only is it time for us to repent but we need to be in a relationship with God that allow us us to know that when we sin we go to God we don't run from God we go to God Psalm 103 one of my all-time favorite verses verse 10 and 11 he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. That's another fancy way of saying sin. He doesn't do that because as high as the heavens are above the worth of the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That word fear means follow after in adoration and the understanding that he is God Almighty. He's God. And the Lord is saying, it is time for you and I to trust God, to put our life in his hand. What career does God want me to go into? What um, does God want me to spend my money on? Who does God want me to marry? What kind of people does God want me to date? How do I go about uh, getting up in the morning and spending time in the Word, even if it's just five minutes? How do I begin to deal with my neighbors being long-suffering and forgiving? How do I do that? It's time for us to trust God. And David ends this whole psalm. It doesn't show up in anything I've done for you, but he shows up in this whole psalm and it says, come quickly to help me, Lord, my Lord and my Savior. That's how he ends this psalm. He lists all of these sinful things. He, I mean, he, he lists the fact that it's all happening because he's sinful. But at the end, he knows that he can trust God and he's willing to be honest that he's a sinner. And he says, so come and save me. Come quickly to help me, my Lord and my Savior. I want to encourage you that we must not give up. And I believe these are things the Lord is, the Holy Spirit is saying, that it's time for you and I to repent. It is. But repent's not a bad word. Repent means we're in a right relationship with God or we're in a relationship with God. He's telling us, hey, you've got to stop that. That's repent. You've got to stop that. You've got to come away from that. You've got to go make up for that. You've got to go tell somebody you're sorry. You got, that's what repent means. And then go the other way. Don't do that anymore. But then we got to trust him with our life. We repent, and then we put our life in his hand. We trust him because he's God, and we can trust God because he loves us more than we can imagine, it says in Psalm 103. we got to hang on, and we can't give up. I want to encourage you that as an individual, you need to refocus on heaven and God's mission. Is what you're doing on a daily basis furthering the mission of God because when we see him that's what he's going to ask us about did you make a disciple Jesus said go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples Jesus said in John 15 a, a branch a, a, a vine that doesn't bear fruit I'm going to cut it off and throw it in the fire I don't care what magic words you said that's black and white bear fruit and I want to encourage you in that we've got to live like Jesus is coming back today and plan like it's going to be a couple of years that's what we've got to do and I want to encourage you in that because we get to be a part of the greatest work in all of history 
as it's known. And that's growing the kingdom of God by being willing to share our story. First Thessalonians says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are left and still alive will be caught up into the air with them in the clouds to meet, them, meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Here comes the S-O-N son. So what about you? Are you in a place right now where you're feeling like you've been stretched just a little bit too thin? You know, those hooks on the end of that bungee are there so that we can connect to other things. It's important for us to wrap them around and hook them. It's important for us to hook them like this. But they have to be there because we are the bungee in the middle. And we can stretch and we can stretch and we can stretch and we can stretch. And one of two things is going to happen. We're going to be stretched so far and stay in that position so long that when we relax, nothing happens or we're going to snap. Your life is going to just straight up snap because you're feeling dry inside. And you're saying, where are you, God? I am stretched. It's beyond what I can handle. God, I need you. God, come by here. Come by here, please. It's why we gather together on Sunday mornings to encourage, inspire, and take care of one another. It's why we're here tonight. Because the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to pour myself on you, but you've got to be willing to repent, and you've got to be willing to trust God. Can you do it? Can you do it? Some of you feel like that right there. Most of you are just sure that it's going to snap any second now. And if it does, I'm okay with it. But you get the metaphor, right? It's being pulled too tight. And for some of you, that's your life. You're at a spot right now where you just don't think you can go on any longer. If, if, listen, if that's you, pay attention to me, not the, the bungee for a minute. If you feel like that bungee... Could you stand up and could we pray for you? I'm not going to ask you to move from your seat. Okay, we're going to try to be careful and social distance and stuff. But if you're feeling this, could you just simply stand up? That's all I want you to do. God is speaking to you and you know it and you're fighting it right now. I just, all I want you to do is stand up. There you go. That's right. That's right. Listen, it's just about coming before God honestly. That's right. That's right. Are you feeling like, God, you're pulling too hard? I really feel like it is too much temptation. You're saying, God, I'm dry in my soul and it hurts inside. Would you please, would you please, would you please? Yeah. Those of you that are visitors, feel free to remain seated. Join in if you want to, but I, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. Because we normally would invite people to come forward and be prayed over, but again, I just want to be careful. Um, or we would send you out to a table to be prayed for, and that feels impersonal for a service like tonight. We're going to do something that we do. I I'm just going to I'm just going to conscript all of you onto the prayer team. I'm going to do it. Those of you, those of you that are around these people, could you do me a favor and just stand up and do this in their direction? That's all I want you to do. I just want you to do this in their direction. Now, you can physically move. I just don't want you to touch them. I don't want you to touch them. We're going to do one more thing, make you a little bit uncomfortable, okay? 
we're going to start praying for them out loud at the same time. It's referred to as a chorus of prayer. And we're going to begin to cover these people in a chorus of prayer. We're covering you in a chorus of prayer. We're covering you in a chorus of prayer. We are covering you in a chorus of prayer. We are covering you in a chorus of prayer. We're going to do that. And so let's pray. It doesn't matter when you end. Don't worry about are you doing it right. There's, there's no right. There's just being the children of God. That's all it is. So let's do that. Fathers, we come before you. We thank you and we praise you for each of these people that have stood up, each of these people that are feeling stretched too thin, each of these people that need you to wrap, come over and wrap your arms around them and call them your own, each of these people, God, that needs you to sweep them up and, and bring them up into their lap that they might feel your presence because you're inviting them into your mission so that you can move the kingdom of God forward. And it's a kingdom of love and it's a kingdom of compassion. It's a kingdom of healing. It's a, a kingdom of spiritual things happening happening because we're spiritual people and you're a spiritual God and we thank you for life God that you give to us and we thank you for the presence that you bring us into and we thank you for being our God even when we don't know where you are or when we think that you have abandoned us you have not abandoned us when we're looking at the world and we can't see you and you're working in the heart of an individual when the when the wind blows you're not in the wind when the fire comes you're not in the fire when the earthquake shakes the earth and you're not in the earthquake and when the still small voice comes and boom there you are God open up our hearts Holy Spirit we invite you please come and do a work in these hearts that have jumped up and said they're hungry that have jumped up and said they're dry that have jumped up and said that they're feeling stretched that have jumped up and because they're in need of your presence in their lives right now that they just they just need you come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit and be God to us love us Love us tonight, God, because we are a broken, filthy people. We have nothing to offer you. Forgive our sin. Forgive our arrogance. Forgive our pride. Forgive our hate for each other, God. Forgive us for not being in the church and getting caught up. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. Let your healing wash over us because you're God. Let your blessing wash over us because you are God your presence wrap your arms around us because you are God we ask this in Jesus name and we don't ask because we're righteous God but we ask because you're righteous and we bear your name don't let the enemy ask us where is our God let us be in his presence every moment of every day don't let the enemy say why doesn't God love you because he loves us enough to send his son and if that's all we get we have eternity. We just endure this suffering for a short time, God. Let us be the light of the world. Let us be a city on a hill. Let us be the children born not of flesh and blood, but not a husband's desire, human passion. Not that, God, but born of God because of what Jesus did for us. We release this in this place at this time right now. So be it, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, amen. Take a seat.